Jesus, before he, sow, he would sow a crowd, he would know a crowd. Before he would give crowds and individuals his word, he would know them. In the Gospels, it talks in the parable of the sower context. It says that crowds were coming from everywhere, and they just followed him everywhere. He would go into a house. He'd teach the, the disciples in there. Come out of the house. The crowds thronged him. The Greek, the Greek word for, for great tribulation, thlepsis, is the same word that the, the Gospel writer used when it says the crowds were pressing Jesus to get to him. Same word. And that's what was happening to him. So what did he do? He got on a boat, and he got off ashore to get away from the crowd so that he could teach them. Now you would think, oh wow, massive crowds and they all came to see Jesus. They're all saved. I am so tired of seeing stuff online oh, where people will show videos of massive crowds cheering everybody and they, they just assume that. Jesus didn't assume that. Before he would sow a crowd, he would know a crowd. So what did Jesus do when he was thronged by these massive crowds? Uh, it says that he began to teach them in parables. Well, that's good, Michael, because a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning to help us understand truth better. Nope. Nope. That's not what Jesus said. It says he began to teach them. And he said, listen! That's the first word in Mark's, Mark's rendition of the, uh, the sower. That's the whole parable of the sower in, a, in one word. Listen! And then he goes, behold, pay attention, a sower went out to sow. And then Jesus starts to describe the human race. You know, we know by being Christians that the whole human race is divided into two groups of people and two alone. Though the social justice movement wants to make it all race and ethnicity based. They're tearing the church apart. But as far as Jesus is concerned, the only thing that matters is he doesn't care what color you are. Are you his or not? You're either saved or you're lost. You're either a sheep or you're a goat. Father, God is your father, or the devil's your father. You're either in the kingdom of light or the kingdom of darkness, and there's no middle ground. Now, and we just said earlier that Jesus taught us, uh, not only in, in Matthew chapter 17, but Matthew chapter 7, which I quoted earlier about the few are those who get saved. In Luke chapter 13, verse 26, he says the same thing with other, de other few details. And he says, basically, most aren't making it. But here's what he does, beloved, in the parable of the sower. He gives us a, a Savior's eye view as to why that massive group of people are not going to heaven. Three of the four soils don't make it. So when Jesus sees massive throngs, does he do like we often do and assume, oh, they're all with me, we're all going to heaven together? He didn't. Now, beloved, six six. Chapters before he even gave the sower in Matthew chapters, um, chapter 7, what did he tell his disciples when they gave his word? He said, don't cast your pearls before swine. He's talking about the word, the gospel. Then what did he say? And don't give that which is holy to dogs. He's talking about people. That in Jesus, the lover of our souls, he knew spiritually there were pigs out there, people, and dogs. Other time he called them wolves. He called King Herod a fox. So that's why he told us. He's practicing in the parable of the sower what he preached to us. Don't cast the pearls before swines. And then he explains. Differently four groups of people. The first group of people. 
The sower went out to sow. Now here's one of the most terrifying texts in all the Bible to me. As he was sowing, another translation says, during the sowing, that means that the parable of the sower's teaching was being fulfilled as the parable itself was being taught. And it's happening in this room right now. It does wherever the Word of God is preached or taught. Every single time you have soils in the room. It's one of the hardest things in life, being a lover and a minister of children and youth for so many years, is to ponder that possibly, possibly, all those chapel services in Hemlock Hall at Tel High, this will be my 30th summer there, Lord willing, is that there could be many of those precious young people who aren't in heaven. I, I can't even, I, can't, I short circuit. I can't fathom it. But every single person who will be in the lake of fire for eternity was once a child. And beloved, take my word for it, hardening starts when you're very young. First group of people, oh, help me, Father. First group of people, they're on the road. The sower went to sow a seed, and as he was sowing, some fell on the wayside or on the path or on the road. What's the first thing that Luke says? Only Luke mentions this, but it's powerful. He says, and it was trampled. The first group of people, this is how they treat the Word of God. It says it was trampled. That's, how the, that's, how, what, that's what they think of the Word of God. And you know, what, you, know, you know what, beloved? You can't have God if you don't want His Word. Inseparable! Why? Because God shares with us who He is through His Word. And if you don't want His Word, you don't want Him. And it says that when the Word was cast on these people, it says they, it was trampled because their hearts were like this. Now, what happens? Immediately, Mark often uses that. Euthos, euthos uh, adverb in Mark, he uses a lot. It's a characteristic word in the Gospel of Mark. Immediately, the birds of the air came and devoured the seed, ate it up. The devil's not allowed, allowed to come and take God's people. No one snatches them out of my hand. And my father who's greater than me, no one takes them out of his hand. The devil's not allowed to... He can't even think about you without divine permission. He can't even have a thought about you. And you know something else, beloved? He's not allowed to touch the sinners either. If he could, he'd kill them all so they'd be in hell instantly and couldn't hear the gospel. But these people, because of the hardness of their hearts, it says that the birds, which symbolize Satan, and it's interesting, each gospel gives a different term for Satan. One of them uses the devil, the other one uses the evil one, and the other one uses Satan. One scholar said that uh, the evil one, the Greek word there, panaraos, that's a sinister kind of evil. It's an evil where you're not just content to be evil in yourself, you want to make other people evil like you. And the, the scholar goes, pernicious is a good adjective for it. And that's what the word is for the devil being evil. He's not the kakos one, which is another word for evil. He's the panaraos. 
And so what does he do? He's given permission to come and take the seed so that they cannot be saved. And never forget, as long as I live, I was in our, my closet. Uh, this is not long after we moved here, and I was meditating on this text. I can think of no passage in all the Bible in 45 years of being a Christian that I've gone to again and again and again and again, more than this. Why? I'm an evangelist at heart, and I want to know why people don't get saved. I want to know the machinations in the mind and the spiritual dynamics going on when people hear and, and why they don't wind up staying with him. I'm always thinking about where people, where actors that impress me from movies that are decades old, like that I want to be like them as I'm watching the movie, especially these Christmas movies. But then I think, wait a minute, where are they now? And that envy bubble kind of pops. I was laying thinking about the birds. Oh, Father, these people's hearts are so hard that they give Satan permission to come and steal the seed. And then Luke says in Luke 8, verse 12, so that they cannot be saved. They can't be saved. It's impossible. And the next thing I saw in my mind was one of these. That's why I had to find one somewhere. And I felt like some, I'll never forget it as long as I live. I was in a fetal position that I remember in my closet in our bedroom. And I felt like somebody just punched me right in the stomach spiritually. Oh! Because when I saw the peoples whose hearts were hard that gave the devil permission to steal the seed so they couldn't be saved, this is all that's left for those people. Spiritually, what do vultures feed on? Carrion, dead things. And this, this, all the times I, I preached or taught this, this, this message because this is like, I'm telling you, I never can get enough of it and every time I go back, I find something new. Of course, welcome to the Word of God, inexhaustible. But I've never used this before, but it came to me in meditating yesterday. Here's what happens with those people. Harry James made this for me, by the way, many years ago for another message. But you know what? This is what happened, and it sobers me. This is why I use these things, because they help me retain the Scripture in my mind and keep my thoughts organized. But here's what these people are doing. Come and get it, Satan! Come and get the Word of God from my heart! Come and get it! And they don't even know they're doing it, beloved. And here come the birds to steal the seed and the vultures right behind them. That's the first group of people. Now, Matthew's gospel, Matthew chapter 13, verse 19, it says the reason that these people, when they, they don't get it and they don't get saved is because when they hear the word, is it on? Sometimes it doesn't, all right? They don't have understanding. They don't understand it. And I thought for years when I'd go to the text, oh, that just must mean that, you know, those poor things, they just need more education. It has nothing to do with education. In fact, I love Lester Roloff. He said years ago that education without regeneration and sanctification is an abomination. And he also said that most higher learning leads to lower living. Not many wise among you, 1 Corinthians 1 whom the Lord chose to be his own. Not many wise, according to this world. That wasn't what understanding was. The Lord said, the, the disciples asked Jesus, why do you speak to them in parables? This is what Jesus said. To you, he's talking to Christians now, it has been given to know the secrets of the mysteries of the kingdom of God in heaven. But to them, it's not been given that is why I speak to them in parables. So the people whose hearts are in these conditions, when they hear the words from the Son of God himself in the flesh, all they hear is a story about seed and farmers. Right over their head, they don't... That's why I'm using parables. They don't want me. I'm not going to give them my pearls. First group of people. 
And this is what it is. Jesus said, these people, they, will be, they fulfill the prophecy of Isaiah. One scholar said that so while the seed is being sown, the Satan is also doing the snatching. And he said, these people are in this condition because it says they're, they're fulfilling prophecy. Isaiah chapter 6. He goes, they'll be ever seeing. They saw the Son of God in person, but never comprehending. They don't get it. Why? This is what they're like. They'll be ever hearing, but never understanding. Why, Jesus? Here, and he's going to tell us why. Because the heart of this people has grown fat. The Hebrew actually is, means literally thick, thick. The heart of this people. Amanda, you correct me on this, sis, but I want to. Uh, isn't one of the major killers of Americans heart disease? Yep. Lots of fat around the heart. It can't let it pump. And this is what Jesus said. This is what their hearts are like. Their hearts have become thick and calloused and fat. That's why they're in this condition. Now, I have to keep moving. There's so much more I could elaborate just on the first soil, but we've got to keep moving. Second group. Other seed fell on rocky soil. Now, for years, I always thought that it meant this, but that's not the, what the rocky soil is in the Holy Land. The rocky soil in the Holy Land is a layer of a bedrock limestone. And it's like it's, so it's not like gravel like this. It's a, it's, a, it's a slab of limestone that's covered by a very thin layer of dirt. Here's the scary thing. You can't see the limestone under the dirt. Even though the dirt is shallow, all you see to the naked eye is dirt. Oh, my dear, look at that soil. That's great for seed. What did Jesus say? Not according to Jesus, it's not. So what happens on, the, forgive me, what happens to the first group of people? The seed, is so, the seed is stolen and it's stomped. Now, it's thrown on there, but because the, the rocky soil, so the seed was thrown on the rocky soil, but because it had not much earth, it sprouted up quickly. That's the irony of this and the deceiving thing. We would think when we see a person get saved and that they're all excited and zealous and all over the place, we've seen many of them. Why is it that so many of them down the road, what happened to them? Jesus told us why. Here, he said that they, they receive it. It says they receive the seed. They receive it with joy. They receive it immediately, it says in Mark. But because Jesus describes, goes on to describe it, he says the soil is thin. He says the soil does not have any moisture. And he says that how much earth do they have? What kind of substance is in the heart of this person to receive the word of the Lord? Jesus goes, not much. That's what the text says, not much. Not much earth, no moisture, shallow. And yet, look at on the outside, they're springing like they're the most on-fire Christian we know. But here's what Jesus said. But, and this always happens, but all right, honey, you didn't want me to use this anyway, and you got your wish to come true. It's out of gas. <laughs> I was going to light my propane torch, and probably the elders are happy too. But 
when the sun came up, because they had not much earth, no moisture, shallow. And oh, the other one, Jesus said, they have no roots. That's why they sprung up so fast, because the only place that the seed could go was up, because there were no roots to go down, because the rock was there, the hardness was there. That's why they looked like they were really going for it, and oh, look how exciting quickly. And Jesus said, no, but when the sun comes up, and Jesus promised us tribulation and suffering and persecution, and you know, the sun that killed these plants is God's sun. The sun keeps us alive. We would die without it. Plants die without the sun. Photosynthesis it needs the sun to do that process and make itself food. But you see, the thing that was given to make them stronger and grow and mature actually killed them. Why? Something wrong with the sun? No. But these people blame the sun. It was because they didn't have what it took. So it says this as quickly as they received the seed and sprouted up, it says they withered. They withered. Now Jesus explains that I'm giving you both the parable and the interpretation, unlike our Lord did, where he, because, because of time. So what happened? It says that when those things came, it says they went from this to this. And then it says when the, those, the sun came up and the trials and the persecutions and the struggles, and the Greek word there, uh, is sleep sees again, great tribulation. The Romans took it in the Latin. It, it's, it's from the word tribulum. What was a tribulum? It was a thing that the Romans pulled behind them in, when they were threshing, a board with, with such sharp stuff underneath it. And the, and the key word in tribulum, tree, T-R-I, try, is press. Tribulation. Jesus said, you will have tribulation belonging to me. I will use it for my glory and make you more like Jesus and for your good, but you're going to have it. These people didn't get that. So what does it say? As quickly as they, they receive the word, it says that they, I love what different Bible versions say. Some say they recanted, unlike Luther at his trial. Others say they turned against it. Other translations say, I think one says they became hostile to it. Then they wear this mask. We call them apostates, and they're all over the place. I watch James White a lot, Dividing Line, my favorite apologist, and he is constantly explaining and he, you know, he's about apostates. They're Poneros people. What do you mean? Because, because they didn't have what it took, but when they leave the faith, they aren't content, you know, I blew it and I'm just not going to, they keep quiet? No, not usually. They're not Kakos evil, they're Poneros evil because they want to just get on YouTube and spread it and talk everyone else to be, being an apostate like them. That tells me who their father is. The devil wasn't content, you know. First thing when he got kicked out of heaven, what did he do? He pulled a lot of angels with him, and then he wasn't content with that. He went after the human race. End of discussion. That's what these people do. They want to spew out their hatred towards God and bitterness and atheism and... and and that's what happens to these people, and they don't make it. Now, I've got to keep going. Okay. The thorny soil. Again, I, by recent study, I was corrected what I thought for decades. Thorny soil. The thorns in the Holy Land are six feet tall. 
and they have a very extensive root system. But this is what I learned from further study this week, is that no farmer, if he was really a farmer, would ever throw seed on thorns that were already there. How do you get that from the text, which I never caught before? It says the seed was thrown on the thorns, but it says which sprouted up with it, which means that the thorns weren't visible yet, but the seed of the thorn was. In other words, these people's hearts were filled with thorn seeds. And the people's hearts had been nourishing those seeds for a long time. So all of a sudden, the seed of the Word of God is tossed on these people. But there's an issue there. They've already been feeding the other ones. So what happens? Because they do have soil in them, or if they didn't, they couldn't nurture the thorn seeds. But you ain't got room for two. You can't love God and money. You'll either love one and despise the other, or to be devoted to one. You can't have undivided loyalty with God. So what happened? It says they were thrown on the thornies, on the thorny soil. I'm going to hold these up anyway. But the thorns grew up with the seed and choked them out. What was Jesus talking about? Of the zillion object lessons I have, if I could only keep five, this would definitely be one of them. And I've shown you this with another message, but this is the flesh, fallen human nature, Adam's nature. We're all conceived with it. We all get it by imputation from Adam at, uh, at Romans 5. Now, John Calvin said that the human heart, fallen human nature, is an idol factory. It's an idol factory. That's all it can do. It always wants someone or something other than God. It can't not not do that. It's, that's what it is by nature. That's why Jesus said, unless you're born again, which Sister Joanne brought up this morning, you can't see heaven. Well, why not? Because you'd only have a nature that hates God's guts. That's why the new birth is essential. So these people, this is the, it's so hot I can barely touch it. You see, this is what feeds their thorns. It says that when the thorns were thrown in there, it says, but the cares of this life what, what choked my desires for God, for the Word, for being around God's people, to seek Him, for prayer? I'm talking about maybe people who come in here who don't know God, and yet they, they know, I know that the gospel is the truth. And I know that this is where I need to be, but there's, they've been feeding the thorns. And it says, the worries of this life, the cares of this life. Here's another one. Desires for other things. The Greek word there is epithumo. It's a very strong word with very strong passion and desire that is used in the Greek for either good or evil. In this very text, Jesus is telling the disciples, many prophets and righteous men longed, same word, strong desire to see what you see and to hear what you hear. Epithumo. But now it's being used here as the very thing in the other context that it's because they, these people have strong desires for other things. Uh, these people have the pleasures of this life. It's, it's hedone. We get our English word hedonism from it. These people are addicted to pleasure. Lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. 
Even in the context when they're addressing widows, Paul said, a widow who lives for pleasure is dead while she lives. That's true of anyone. He just happened to bring that up in the context of addressing widows. Demas, Paul said, has left me, deserted the apostle because of his love for this present world. So here's these poor people. They know there's something to the gospel and the people of God and the truth, but the deceitfulness of wealth is another thing that Jesus said leads these people away. He's telling us why people don't go to heaven. And he said, the thorns spring up with it and choke it. Now, I, I always forget to do this part, and I'm so glad you gave me till 1230 to do it. So, I love our elders. I forgot to do this the last time. So this is the situation with the people with thorns. Because this is what they're doing all the time, feeding the thorns. And the thorns, a number of Bible versions will say that they, they, they it mean, penigo, penigo in, in the Greek is, is strong, is choke strongly. But some versions say suffocate. And this is what it does, beloved, for desires for God, is that when these people come to church, if they do, because that's what they've been giving themselves in their mind, this is what their brain is. And on the barrel, it says, you know, it has the toxic skull and crossbones. It'll kill you. It'll kill your soul. Why are their brains like that? The thorns. Their hearts were feeding thorns. So what happened? The, th on a, the thorn sign... This is what it's saying, no vacancy for the things of the Lord. And I must hold this one up. I forgot to, I'm sorry. Let's go back to the rocky soil just for a minute. Many, many people who are in the church, not saved, we, how do you know they weren't saved? If they, because if they stay away, they never were with us in the first place. First John 2, 19. Paul, or John said, these people went out from us, but they never were part of us. How do you know? Because they didn't stay with us. You know, you see. So, yes, Christians can go on big detours spiritually. They st they're regenerated, and God may let them go for a long time, but he always gets his man. He'll spank them. He'll spank them. If he doesn't spank them, they don't belong to him. Right? Hebrews 12. He disciplines those he loves. But see, here's one thing I forgot to mention that I must. Some of the biggest stumblings of people on the rocky soil is the church. Some of the deepest pains, maybe, and disappointments and shocks that you've ever had in your life were after you became a Christian and it was by the hands of another Christian. That's a tough one. That's a tough one. If you're honest, you might say, you know what, that's true and I'm still hurting, but you know what? I think I've done that to other Christians too. We are here because we're a mess. I don't believe that, Gertie. Well, I'll speak for you because I read my Bible. You're a mess. And that's who Jesus came for. The healthy don't need a physician. You and I are here gathered around him because we're a mess. Now, forgive me. I do have good news. Finally, there was seed thrown on the good soil. These are they, Jesus said, who in a 
The seed fell on a good and noble heart. Well, we know that no one by nature uh, has a good and noble heart. But here's what the context is talking about. And I, uh, I was going to use Elijah. Joel, will you come here, my man? I'm trying to find somebody who looks like Jesus. <laughs> I know, Amanda, he always acts like him. <laughs> All right, so this is what the people are like. Okay, so I don't need to tell you who he is, right? So, the people on the good soil, he said, these are the, those who, they, it falls on them and they have a noble and good heart, which in the context of the parable doesn't mean, of course, that we're born without that innate iniquity that we all have until we're regenerated and then we, we deal with the rest of our life but we have power over it. It's talking about the integrity of what you do with the Word of God. That's what it's talking about. Noble and good and honest people in God's eyes are not people, there's no one who's never sinned. He's talking about these are the kind of people, how God views them, how they handle his word. So I have so many examples of this. And then again, another new illustration that I've, uh, I've never done and I really want to do. But I was hoping the, the two Gibson boys were here because they're nice and tall. But um, So here's what happens in... Um, Luke chapter 4, verse 42, Jesus had done miracles and preached and done ministry in a certain town. He went to leave that town to go to another place, and this is what the people did. No, Lord, don't leave us! Stay here, we want you to stay here, don't leave us! It's the same Greek word in the parable of the sower. It says that the, these people are noble because when they hear the word of the Lord, it says they receive it, they believe it, and it says they hold it fast. It's the same Greek word. They hold it fast. The same word used in this thing where they held on to Jesus like that. That's, the, what, that's what the Lord is looking for. Thank you, bro. That's what the Lord is looking for with us, with Emmanuel Church and the text. What else? Harry James made me this many years ago. I've never found a volunteer to do it, and you're in luck because the propane, propane torch is out. But I told Harry years ago I wanted a Word of God branding iron. And what, I, what I've always wanted to do, and this is really scary, I was preaching at our oldest son, Matthew, who most of you know, at his home church in November, and it was really scary because this young man who was a visitor there came up and said, I would have done it for you. And he had tattoos all over him too, so I don't know what to say to him. I just, oh, I didn't. And he, but babe, he was being serious, wasn't he? He was like, that's commitment to the cause. But, but, so what I've always wanted to do is like take a propane torch and just get this white hot and then just go, that's what I want so much in my life with the Word of God, that it's a branding iron. I don't forget it. And that's why almost every single night when I go to bed and I hit it, it hits the pillow, I start thinking about the text. I want the text in my mind. So I even thought, well, I can't do it on a real person. But I, get it, I was going to cut a piece of wood that looked like a brain. Shelly, you could do it for me, but then this will backfire anyway. Because if I stuck it on a church service and it started to stink the whole church up with burning paint and wood. So I have to just describe it to you, but you get what I mean. It's like you want it burned on your, on your brain. Lord, I have hidden your word in my... That I might not sin against you. We're almost done. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 11. The words of the wise are like firmly embedded nails. Firmly embedded nails. It 
given by one shepherd. Beware of anything in addition to them. And this is what I want with me in the Word of God, is that how many of you know through the shakings of life, the Word falls out. I want it driven in there. Forgive me, Joel. I need to call you back up, buddy, because I really want to try this. Rye, would you, are you holding the baby? Okay, thank you. Um, this is the one that came to my mind. This is the beauty of meditating on the same text over and over and over again, not for years or decades. I guess it's not a beauty because it just means more object lessons to bring. But I just, this is what happens with the tower of the text. So um, you're going to hold that rope, buddy, and Rye, you're going to hold that one over there. And um, I, uh, I'm trying to think how I could do this. Well, this is what came to me. And... Um, this is how the Lord wants us to handle his word. In um, Luke chapter 19, verse 48, Jesus' enemies were trying to get to him, and it says in the Greek, to destroy him. To destroy him. Next week, we're going to be talking about the deity of Jesus and who was in the manger from Hebrews chapter 1. And yet, talk about how wicked human nature is. They want to kill him. You and I would have been the same way. Human nature is human nature. But here's why they couldn't. It says that when they wanted to destroy them, it says they were unable to. And you know what the Greek says? Because all the people were hanging on his words. So what I envision is that I wish there was a way we could do this where, you know, this rope was over the Grand Canyon. This is how we're supposed to cling to his words. Because remember what he said, if you love me, you'll keep my words, right? You'll keep my words, and great is the ruin thereof for those who hear his word and don't do it. So here it is, like, I'm just make-believe that I'm hanging over, actually, let's get real here. I'm hanging over the pit of Hades. No one's been in the lake of fire yet. Right now, the dead in sin go to Hades. The lake of fire has been empty since Jesus created it. No one's ever been there. Jesus, help us. So it's like this. Jesus, I, these are Jesus' words I'm hanging on to. Notice the color, his blood. I, Jesus, you said you and no one else, not we, not I'm one, I am. Thank you, Lord. It wasn't that you were or you're going to be. You are the, oh, Lord. You're not a, you're the one and only unique way. You're the only person, Lord, worth following. The truth, the truth. Thank you, Lord. There aren't many truths. There's one truth and you're it. You're, you, beloved, you're hanging the eternal destiny of your soul, avoiding the lake of fire which burns forever and ever. The smoke of their torment never ends on his words. And the life. I'm not going to die. Lord, I have so many sins. I, I seem to sin more than I don't. They're, they're going to get me, Lord. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Okay, Lord, only because you say so. I don't feel it. Forgive me, Lord, often I don't believe it. No man, yes, comes to the Father. You mean I'm going to get to come to your Father? He's going to take me as his? Except through me. 
That's what saving faith is. None of this casual stuff. I made a commitment. What does that mean? Enough of this casual stuff. The scriptures say that you flee from the wrath to come. You run to the Lord Jesus to find refuge for your soul. The stuff we've done with the gospel. God, for, God forgive us. Thank you, brothers. They couldn't get to him because they were hanging. The people were hanging on his words. Let's bow our heads before the Lord. We want to be a fellowship that clings to him. The theme of camp in 2014 was static cling. I got that in my mother-in-law's basement in Virginia years ago because I saw that one of the kings of Judah, it says that he clung to the Lord and he didn't let go. And the way that you cling to God is clinging to his word. Some of you might say to that, you know, Michael, I sense, I sense too many rocks in me. I want them out. Just yesterday in my kitchen, I was, I don't know why it came up. I guess it was the Lord. I had, I had this attitude against a brother I'd never even met for years. Never even met him. And I didn't want to ask the Lord to change my heart about him. It was a rock. It was a bedrock. It's like, oh, Father, forgive me. Forgive me. Bless him. Forgive me, Lord. I'm probably, I've, and I was beginning, you know what I feel about, I'm probably jealous of him. So Gertie found some rocks in his heart again. Some of you might think, you know what, Michael, I know I love the Lord, but I also know I've been feeding thorns. I notice my emotions are so much more intense for things of this world many times than they are for him. I give my eyes, I give my ears, I give my time, I give my money. I talk more about these things that choke me than the things of God in his kingdom. And the Lord would want to use this on you this morning. In your heart, hallelujah, that Jesus was mistaken for the gardener when he rose from the dead, but he is a gardener for his people's hearts. You might just entreat the Lord this morning. Come, Lord, do your weeding. Do your weeding, Father. Some of you might just say, you know, Michael, I'm dry. I have soil. I know I love the Lord, but I know I'm lacking moisture. Moisture, we all know what that stands for. Holy Spirit of God, need more of him. So if some of you, we, uh, you just want to take some time. Jesus knows you thoroughly from your mother's womb. So cool, the song that just started is standing on his word. Pretty cool. Some of you want to just spend time up front, just to spend time with the Lord a little bit, have, a, have him work on your soil. You do that. You want to kneel at your pew, you just want to bow your head in your pew. If some of you might want some, uh, some prayer, you can raise your hand right now. We have brothers, God-appointed brothers, to care for you. They'll come pray for you. Other people, other saints uh, will, will pray for you. 
This is what I'm talking about, beloved. Every time we gather, my burden, my, it's like we need the Emmanuel family. We need to circle our wagons. We need to cuddle in the presence of the Lord. That's what I've used with campers for years, and I'm, I feel it for us when I'm with you like this. We need to cuddle in the presence of the Lord. So I just... Maybe some of you are in the room. You never heard or understood the gospel. Here it is in a nutshell. God created you. You didn't evolve. Every person who teaches that slaps God in the face every time they say it. You didn't evolve. You're a divine creation made in the image of God. Descendants of gorillas have no interest in church. If that was the key, you wouldn't be here. The reason that you're here is because you're an image bearer. And God has given you the ability as an image bearer to care and be interested in the care of your soul. But your sin, the Bible teaches very clearly, has caused the wrath of God to be upon you, even now, present tense. And God has done an amazing thing to remove the wrath from you that you deserve by having it placed upon his son, his willing son. If you receive the gift of his son, that bill of second that you say, Jesus, take me, I'm yours, forgive me, the wrath of God has moved from off your head, and you have the robe of righteousness on you, you have the adoption papers to the Father, you are his child. The blood of his son washes all your sins away. The Spirit of God comes to live in you, and we are your family the whole body of Christ. So if you've never understood that, this is the day to bow your head and receive him. Lord, I just thank you for the privilege. I just thank you, Father, for the grass and the water. The grass and the water, Lord. You fed my soul this week. I wanted to feed your people. Now, Lord, I just ask you that the grass would do what it does. Give them strength, nourishment, vitamins. The water would refresh their souls, Lord. And they might minister to each other now and also reach the lost. We just commit the fruit of this service, Lord, to you. In Jesus' name.